it's not intention to be rebel. It's just I think by myself. I don't repeat what the other do, what the other said. I have, I don't go to dinner where people repeat always the same thing. I don't go nowhere. I am alone. I'm alone. When you are alone in front of yourself, but you are obliged to develop some original idea. And when you send original idea in a society, you look like a rebel. But for me, it's not rebel. It's what I said. It's just normal. And uh, I shall never lose my time to be a rebel. In all my life, I never fight something. Me, I replace. Hi, I'm Dan Rubenstein, and this is The Grand Tourist. I've been a journalist for nearly 20 years, most recently as a home and design director at Departures Magazine, and this is my personalized guided tour through the worlds of fashion, art, architecture, food, and travel, all the elements of a well-lived life. In the world of design, the phrase, my next guest needs no introduction, is a bit of an understatement. He's every superlative you can think of, and more. Showman, thinker, maestro. He designs everything from plastic chairs and space modules to luxurious hotels and public bicycles. Le Grand Fromage himself, Philippe Stark. Born in 1949 in Paris, the Frenchman fell into the design trade by accident, more on that later, and found his calling. He started his own firm in the late 60s, designed some infamous nightclubs of Paris, and rose to the level of redesigning the private apartments for the French president in the 1980s. Throughout the years, many of his projects have defined eras. The Delano Hotel in Miami Beach, the ghost chair for Cartel, even his sculptural juicer for Alessi, the so-called Juicy Salif, which shifted perceptions on what design could be. Stark lives with his family in Portugal. His wife, Jasmine, is never far away and works remotely with his team in Paris. Even in this pandemic era, he's created hotels such as La Reserve in Zurich, outdoor furniture for Janus AC, a complete bathroom line for Duravit, an astronaut training complex, and you get the idea. No joke, his official single-spaced CV is 23 pages long, and the award section takes up five of them alone. I've met Stark in the past, and despite his outspoken, passionate, bad boy public persona, he's always kind and generous with his time and insights. I spoke with Philippe from his home in Portugal on his awkward teens, while he'll never have dinner with a client, and why his home won't be seen in Architectural Digest anytime soon. Philippe, what is your first memory in terms of space, design, and interiors? Hello, first, I have no memory to be young, and I have no feeling to be old. I have not this type of uh, comprehension and I have uh, zero memory except uh, something very, very boring, sad. I think youth is a bad moment. Youth is a bad moment. Why was youth a bad moment for you? Because perhaps I was uh, a little too different. Difference is not very good in society. I was cute. I was uh, not like this. I was uh, skinny, uh, well-dressed, sport car. But nobody looked at me because I was too different. And my first uh, memory was a cube. Uh, my bedroom in a very elegant place, but it was a cube. White, I think four by four, with one wall in glass. I don't know for what reason it was completely empty. At the beginning, I was uh, I was sleeping on the pale grey Dior carpet with uh, a sleeping bag, and 
I remember a little that after I have no more sleeping bag and I just have magazine to cover me for the night. <laughs> that means I was alone in a room completely empty, covered with magazine. I was very close to jump by the window and I said, it's perhaps too much easy. It's not like this. That's why I think I had to exist. I had to exist. And uh, I remember the Invisible Man, the movie Invisible Man, and the Invisible Man was invisible, except when he put the stripe of uh, of uh, tissue uh, around, I'm sorry for my English, around him, and we see him. I said, ah, ah, perhaps I have to put stripe of fab fabric around me. And the other was uh, the Christmas tree. That a, a, a tree in a forest, you don't see it, but you, when if you see, put flashing light on him, finally you see him. That's why uh, it's what I done. It's what I do, but I don't know how. I remember my father, who was a quite famous plane uh, producer. He had a company of plane. And always I remember when he said, you know, this plane to see it flying, you have to create it. But if you don't want it fall, it fall, you have to be rigorous. And I have, I think by finally, the only thing I can do is be creative and be rigorous. And it's what I do. That's why I ask my mother to buy a architect table and I start to draw. That means my My first image of decoration was a white cube with one wall in glass, empty, with a pale gray carpet and a beautiful, very technical architect table. And when you started drawing, is that how did you, how did that lead to you studying interiors? That it's completely different. One day, my mother, now she's, uh, 100 years old, but she have, she had a passion for beautiful man, uh, which is not the good solution if you want to be happy in love. And at this time, she was with, uh, with a guy with a high level culture, but completely cuckoo and alcoholic. And one day I come back home in the apartment and in the corridor, I son a conversation between this guy, Louis, Louis Double de Clangy, and my mother. And the guy said, you know, uh, Jacqueline, you know, you don't know what to do your, with your son because he was always alone in his uh, bedroom. Not very good for a young man. But, you know, you, you, your son will be gay and uh, we have to find for him a gay job. And uh, they, they, I listen to them and <laughs> it's incredible. And he said, perhaps he can be a hairdresser. And they send me uh, to uh, hairdresser to see if I like it. After I And uh, after he said, But you know, he design non-stop. He can be uh, interior designer. And my mother said, interior designer. But how you do that? And he said, there is a school, 68 rue de Camondo in Paris, for interior designer. Me, I was so lost. And I'm very, I'm a very good son. Day after, I was on my Vespa, and I go to the school. And as I was a stair on the right to go at the first floor to the to the office, and there was sketch on a tracing paper A4. And I said, "Wow, wow! I never saw something like that. It was so beautiful. It was very bad, uh, but for me, it was so beautiful. I love that." And I go to the office, and I said, "I want," and I take me and 
50 years later, I continue to work on the same A4 tracing paper with the same pen because finally all that was just to please to my mother. Like all gay guy. <laughs> was she disappointed that you would, uh, that you were straight? Yes, yes, yes. She wasted all that money. Yes. Now she she invent she invent a lot of stories that I have a lover and things like that. But at the end, after with uh, with five children, that would become a little difficult to continue. Uh, well, it was difficult. But um, but that is that is the story. I had no idea uh, and no. Can you imagine? I am not enough stupid to dream I shall become an inter-designer. And I, I was saying to my wife the other day that I, I don't understand why I do that because I don't like that. I love design. I don't say that it's my first job is if I have two choice to choose because it's a use, useless job, uh, that cannot say, that cannot create life, that cannot save life. That means it's, uh, it's useless because in life there is a uh, useful, you save life, useless, you don't save life. Me, I don't save life. Uh, perhaps if I am good, I can help people to have a better life, but it's not the right time to that. To, today, we have more to, to save life. And uh, I do it. I have made it. I have made it because uh, I never dream my life. I never had any ambition. My wife always surprised me when she said, I have dreamed my life. I know the life I want uh, uh, and I have dreamed everything. Uh, me? No. Absolutely no idea. No idea because I was uh, a wild animal. I was in my box and I know nothing except my intuition. My intuition on things that even I don't understand what, what was really the meaning. But I had intuition which was incredibly, incredibly in advance. Incredibly. Before we return to our guest, a word from our sponsor, Duravit. One of Philippe Stark's many talents is his ability to inject style, whimsy, and functionality into products that impact all aspects of modern life. Case in point, his long-standing collaboration with Duravit. Since 1994, Stark has developed bath products for the German brand, from timeless wash basins to sleek vanities. His latest is White Tulip, the designer's first ever complete range of bathroom products. Curvaceous, timeless, and just downright elegant, the White Tulip line is, yes, minimalistic. But with its ever-so-gentle curves, it straddles the past and future in a way that is oh-so-clever, and therefore oh-so-Philippe Stark. Only someone like him could create a suite of designs that look as good in a country home as they would in a skyscraper penthouse. And after a season of new episodes of The Grand Tourist, I know I could use a few hours, or perhaps days, soaking in one of the line's three freestanding tubs. To soak up this amazing range of design for yourself, visit duravit.com. The work of Philippe Stark is minimal without being boring, clever and even flamboyant without being camp, and elegant without being overdone. As someone who has created so many best-selling icons, I wanted to ask the designer about some of his successes and how he navigates the tumultuous business of design. Starting with the Juicy Salif, a tall citrus fruit squeezer from Alessi he designed in 1988 that looks like an alien spaceship that landed in your kitchen and is now in the permanent collection of New York's Museum of Modern Art. Fast forward to you have such a long, you know, a storied career and you've done so many amazing things. Of all of the products that and designs that you have done that have been very successful. Is there one that surprised you the most that of its success, that for some reason it clicked in people's minds? 
it's difficult to to tell you because there is so many I don't know but but one which is surprising was a quite famous uh, design icon uh, the lemon squeezer mm-hmm. because uh, the process was uh, was fun I go to holidays uh, a long time ago in winter to a small Italian island and on the way uh, I said oh perhaps we can say hello to uh, Alberto Alessi nice guy Alessi you know the product of course and uh, oh Philippe how are you and we discussed that and he tell me can you make me can you design me a box to put the butter right like butter right yeah a box for butter you know cover like that I said uh and me I'm always quite polite <laughs> And uh, I said yes. And I continue. At night, I arrive in the island. It was absolutely a disaster. Raining, everything was closed and things like that. I find a pizza. And uh, I said, bah, I have to design this box for uh, for uh, butter because I was a young designer. I have to to, to do what the, the editor said. And I said, I cannot. I cannot. First, it's bad to, to, to eat butter. Two, uh, I think it's the worst bourgeois <laughs> thing I never saw in my life. Uh, uh, I saw my grandmother at uh, one, but never since this time. For me, it was a symbol of boring bourgeois dinner. And that's why I was waiting for my uh, pizza. And uh, I was thinking about topography. Topography, it's uh, the study of surface. And I was just like that. I love science. Thinking about what can be the inverse topographic, inverse topography of one object. And there was a lemon squeezer. A regular lemon squeezer, a cup with something like that in front of me. And I said, if I inverse this topo- topography, that will make, that will make, uh, this, this like this. And, nah, 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 nah. and it was made exactly at the same speed that I just do right now, which is 10 seconds. And my pizza arrive. That covers the drawing. At the end, they take the plate. At ah, tiens, I take the paper and I send the paper to Alberto Alessi. And uh, he do it and it was a huge success. And if someone wanted to work with your studio and have you design something for them, what, ha, wha, how do you decide what projects to take on? Alors, there is two parallel process because we receive uh, hundreds by month. Almost everything arrives on, on our table and we take uh, 98%. First, that go to my wife. She make a first selection. She know me. After that, go to my lawyer. He make a second selection. He know me. Uh, when uh, they agree, they organize a meeting. First, a call. A call. Uh, we speak. If... That sounds good. We have a meeting. And my subject first is to understand if this person won't make a direct profit in his pocket or if he won't make something to serve people and make money by serving people. That means I want to understand if this guy is driven by generosity or by avidity and by avidity. And if it's avidity, we, we stop almost immediately the, the meeting. That go fast to understand. And uh, after, I love to 
not become a friend. Uh, I shall never spend my holidays, even a lunch, even a dinner, because by contract, I never have dinner, lunch, breakfast with anybody. <laughs> uh, I, I, I have this with my, my, my wife, and that's all, and my friends. And I shall never uh, sleep with them. I shall never go to holidays, but I love to have a, a structure, a sentimental structure between us, which means sharing value. We need to have the same value. Even the guy uh, is a businessman, even the guy is a scientist, even the guy make a complete number, we need to share a core value. And we do it and it works very well. What is your core value? From my part, it's creativity uh, and people who understand what is creativity and why that have to exist, why it's a duty to create for the, for the society, the civilization, the community, I thought it's the right sense. And after it's uh, honesty, intelligence, that they cannot share with me, but <laughs> they share by themselves, vision, humor, and poetry. And, and a high, somebody who give high value, the highest value for sentimental relation. Before we return to Philippe, a word from our sponsor, Jaloux Ebeniste. Jaloux Ebeniste are creators of collectible design, made in France. Based in a medieval village in Brittany, the atelier is led by aesthetic director, Sandra Skolnick Jaloux, and master cabinet maker, Jan Jaloux. Les Jaloux design their own collections and collaborate with top interior designers from around the world on bespoke commissions for private residences and super yachts. And brands such as Dior, Lalique, and Cartier have all embraced their work. One of the materials that Jaloux specializes in is selenite, as Sandra explains. Selenite, or crystalline gypsum, known in French as gyps, is a luminous material mined on every continent. Inspired by the work of Jean-Michel Franck, we created our first gyps cabinet in 2009. Now, after hundreds of cabinets and more than a decade of experimentation, Jaloux is the recognized expert in gyps furniture. We've even clad entire rooms in selenite. At Jalu, our goal is to expand the craft of furniture making as far as new technologies and our imagination will allow. For more information, visit jalu.com. That's J-A-L-L-U.com. And when it comes to designing hotels in this period after the pandemic, such as La Reserve in Zurich that you recently completed. Has your thinking about hotels changed? I mean, the way that they are designed and in, enjoyed, or is it really you think we're going to go back to normal? No, no. First, first, that changed nothing. That changed nothing. Only the question is a lot of people will travel less and perhaps the fantastic El Dorado market of hotel business will perhaps be a, a little fixed. Uh, there is no reason today, if you have, like, always with me, respect, hygiene, and things like that, there is no reason that change. And uh, to make a definition of a hotel today, it's impossible. Hopefully, there is no main trend. Uh, everybody have his own tribe, his own trend, and uh, every hotel represents one tribe and uh, one trend. That's why... Uh, Will change nothing. Before, hotel was generalist. There was a cheap hotel, the medium hotel, and the hotel for rich. Now, in the cheap, medium, and rich, there is a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of different sentimental 
And at every level, now, every tribe have uh, his own home. And me, I have my own tribe and my own hotel. Today, with uh, so much on your plate, are you still super involved with each project in terms of visiting a factory and so on? No, because I don't have the time and I know a lot of things. That means I am not a technical guy, but strangely, I know. I know all the process. I know all the materials. I know everything. And I can tell you exactly. I can, I can design you a plane immediately. I can design you a new hull, uh, which make no waves. Uh, today I'm working on rocket and things like that. It's cuckoo. I know how to do it. Uh, but, but I continue to, uh, work completely alone in the middle of nowhere. Now, today we are in the middle, we are at the top of the mountain of Sintra in Portugal in the middle of the forest, or we work in the middle of the mud in Venice, or we work on a rock in Formentera, or we work in the mud also, I love mud, in Le Cap Ferret where I produce uh, cubic oysters, but always, always alone. And uh, I never go to my office. There is more than 50 people, nice people, very, very nice people, young, uh, cool, charming, uh, which work, who work well, but I go to see them almost one day by month. But during the COVID, I was very happy to not go during two years to the office. And because I have always worked like that, I have always worked by, uh, it's called telework, something like that, even not by, not with Zoom, just by, by mail, that worked very well. That means I, I work nonstop, 24 hours and 24 hours. I make a lot, a lot, a lot of projects. All my, and I made that all my life with at any time going to a office because I hate that. And you'll never return. Oh, no, never, never. There is strictly no reason. We have a beautiful machine which work well. Uh, I've worked a lot for this machine. No, no, it worked very well. They are very happy without me. I'm very happy with, without them. We meet uh, in Japan. We meet in US. We meet. We have a drink. We speak. Uh, kiss. Ciao, baby. Uh, see you in three months. And, uh, and that's all. And even avoid with my team, I almost make no zoom, zero zoom. It's just for journalists or for a client when I am obliged. Philippe, you've recently designed outdoor furniture for Janus AC. Uh, in this new COVID era, do you think that architecture will be embracing the outdoors and nature more in the future? Yes, normally. That will not change a lot because uh, our land can have a terrace, a small terrace, a small thing, but you, you cannot, you cannot suddenly say, I live in the nature because mm-hmm. it's, you know, that's, that means just people discover what they have today. They are very happy to smoke outside, which is stupid and to be, to, to have fresh air, but just it's a COVID effect. Yes, that will continue a little, but nothing, nothing special. No, my, 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 my subject with outdoor is to fight the outdoor style. Because I don't understand this outdoor style. Uh, the outdoor have created his own style. We don't know from what, for, for what, why, I don't know. But uh, now everything is in plastic. But me, I love plastic, but it's plastic which fake, fake routine, fake wood. Everything is fake. And people are very happy of, uh, of fake everything. They won't go to nature, sit on fake. If they want 
product in plastic, they buy plastic. Now they uh, bio, bio sourced, uh, organic, eco-plastic, they can do it. But if not, they have to, to, to have real materials, not, not, not fake one. You know, during the pandemic, so many people had like a hobby, something that they discovered about themselves as they like to do now that they don't have to travel as much and they work from home. So in Portugal, what do you, how do you like to spend your free time? I have no free time. None? Not even now without being, with no travel? No, I have no free time. My, my, my hobby is my work. You know, I make things which are so fascinating. Now we are more and more in space. We are, we work with three companies of, uh, of space and the, the, the biggest one also. And, uh, you know, we make things, uh, we make scientific product, uh, uh, new revolution with ecoplastic, uh, a lot of things. Why have a hobby? One time in the airport, uh, we saw a couple playing card, waiting the plane. And we said, oh, that can be fun. They laugh a lot. They play card. And my wife decided to me. I never play to anything, to mm. anything. Yeah. Uh, I have not the software. And my wife tell me, oh, we, we can, uh, we buy some card and we try. First, I cannot. I was, I was, uh, I was, uh, I have pain, pain in my head. I was sweating and, uh, it was really painful. It was, I damaged my, uh, my brain. And after 10 minutes, I said, but in 10 minutes, I designed a building. In 10 minutes, <laughs> I design a new boat. Why I shall make something which is structurally not interesting when I can make something interesting? That's why for me, it's clear. Huh? No, so I, have, I have strictly no hobby. So you can't play cards with, with Jasmine? I, ca I cannot play anything. I never play Monopoly. <laughs> I never play football. I never play anything. I, I, I don't know. But for me, if you have a brain... If you have one minute of leave, you have a duty to create something for your, for your, for your community. That's all. Playing card. What is the profit for the community? I don't know. <laughs> and when it comes to design, I was thinking about your floss uh, gun lamp and at the time how radical it was and how subversive it was. Do you think today it's even possible to be that subversive about design? Are we are we too desensitized now? Is it even possible to be not to be a bad boy in design? Good question. Bon, I continue. I continue in a different way with using materials which are nana. But in this way, like gun, I had a program. I had a program to continue about uh, industrial slaves, about uh, uh, agro agro uh, food poisoned agro food, and I've designed it here. I've designed everything, but when I bring it to my editor, he said, "Philip, I love it. It's really good. It's really strong. It's really beautiful. But we cannot do it. It's impossible." One day, I make a politics thing for uh, for uh, Alessi. It was uh, it was organized by uh, Alessandro Mandini. It was hundred 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 percent something like that. And I make a vase. Everybody have the same vase. I make something. And it was almost the same same way to do it than the gun. It was uh, just listening the radio. It's not true. I don't listen radio, but listening what's happened and just do it, uh, like like for the like for the gun. And on this vase, I had Nazi cross, Slavdika, Etoile de David. The Star of David, yeah. Yes. And the cross of Musulman. And it was very interesting. One week after, 
everything was destroyed. The Nazi come in the exhibition destroy, the Jewish come and destroy it, and the Muslim come and destroy it. <laughs> and that was 20 years ago. Now you can imagine they destroy it and after they kill you. <laughs> no, 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 no. Now, now it's, uh, it's almost impossible. We can say it's impossible. What is the media getting wrong about covering design today? What, what sort of lessons would you want the editors of the world, such as myself and others, to really understand about design today? There is a different problem. One of the problems is design is too much trendy. That means there is too many designers who will be something else, who was something else before, will be something else after. They just do it because it's a trend. And if there is a trend, media are very happy because like that, they have something to say. And more, there is communication, mass communication on design. Even me, I love communication for democratic things to people to understand. But today, it's a real excess. And I saw more there is design more there is communication in the media, more the quality go down. And when you're when you're designing, you're always reacting to certain needs in societies like ecology or cost or materiality. In the past 10 years since the recession, since the Great Recession till now, what has changed the most, do you think? Alors, first, first uh, I'm sorry I shall be a little pretentious, but I don't react. I don't react uh, because everything which happened, I know it 50, 40, 30, 20 years before. And, uh, and I think subconsciously or consciously about it during 50, 30, 40, 20 years. That means I never react. I just have this work ready and the time reach me and it's time to do it. That's why we can think that I, I react to the society. It's not true. I have think before and just the society is ready to do it with me. That's the first thing. What I've changed is the violence, the speed, the urgence. In the 80s, it was possible, a little stupid, but it was possible to have fun, to speak about culture, to speak about uh, something we can call futile. Futile, you know that? Futile. Not very deep. Uh, superficial. Uh, something fun, uh, something nice, uh, fashionable, I don't know. Me, well, me, I was never like that. But we can imagine the time was uh, acceptable for that. We was on the way of civilization. We, we see clearly a light. We see clearly a light for everybody, for minority, for everybody, for poor people. And suddenly, uh, everything collapsed vertically. It's, it was astonishing to see that. Uh, we fall from, we fall from the sun to fall in a deep, in a deep, deep abyss. And, bon, our uh, evolution is definitely positive. But it's made of light and dark, democracy and fascism and things like that. But uh, it's very, very surprising uh, because it was really in a good, on a good way. And it was very surprising to see the speed of the collapse, the violence and the speed of the collapse. Today, it's absolutely obscene to speak about things which can be useless because during the time we speak, you will have people who will die because they have no water, some other because they have too much water, some other because they have poison water. And there is today 
during during we speak, so many reasons to die now, so many reasons, and that's why it's uh, it's really uh, the urgence have completely changed of orientation. We have to say we we can say we we have to say us, but in in us mainly there is them because uh, there is people who are really really in a worse situation than us. We have to save the democracy. We have to save the society. And even we have to save the civilization and more the animal species because today we can think seriously there is danger to uh, for our uh, surviving. Theoretically, theoretically, on this in this world, on this world, we need we have to survive. We have programmed to survive one billion point two years more before the sun will implode. If we continue like that, it's sure we shall not do it. And it's a little stupid because the challenge was fun. It's a challenge. And do you think design can can address these issues or is some no. people No. No. Design have no no chance to 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 do that. Absolutely not. We can just help people who live to have a better life. We can buy semantic of the product drive them to avoid things which are politically, sexually, uh, economically uh, bad, bad for them, means avoid uh, machist product, uh, avoid warrior product and things like that. Uh, there is a, it's 80% of the production cars, razor, uh, mm-hmm. everything electronic. But that's all. After, definitely, I am one one of the avant-garde of this. After, we have all the decision about to do it or not to do it, which is the first important, the main important ecological question. After, we have the ecologic materials and things like that. There is a lot of things to do. But uh, even a guy like me who is concerned since uh, decades about that, we can just make a little better. And even all the product, the eco product we do, but we can save a little of the forest, we can save a little of animals, we can save a little of energy, but it's not enough. Five percent of the urgence. So many of your projects have rare for a, a designer such as yourself to have a lot of transport kind of projects in your portfolio. Yachts, uh, bicycles, motorcycles, uh, cars, things like that. Can you explain to someone uh, like myself or someone listening who is always thinking about sustainability and uh, transportation as two things that are very important. As someone who has so much experience in the transportation industry, what is it like? Why is this so difficult for us to kind of leap forward in transportation to be really more sustainable? What are the challenges from your experience of working in? The only way to make real sustainable transport is to not move. But to not move is not good. When at a time you have to see each other, you have to touch, you have to smell. In my office, I have a rule. At the third mail, if the problem still exists, we have to move. Because at the third mail, if the problem exists, something happens. There is a spiral 
negative spiral and the paranoia, the, the things, the human nature uh, create the syndrome of enemy for nothing, just for a line, for something. We have done that. We have to move. After, well, but we know uh, hydrogen. We have signed uh, this morning a new uh, a new contract to build a modular uh, s small factory which uh, make uh, pure hydrogen, green pure hydrogen with garbage. Perfect. Now we try to make electric. We make, but we know all that. It's uh, it's not it's not nothing is new. But the best idea is just to think twice before moving. But I repeat, it's not good to not touch your partner. You have to touch them. You have to to smell them. There is an animal relation we have to keep. If we don't, if we because me, I have travel i have traveled all my life with my wife we can say that we make a world tour almost every week i hate that i hate traveling i hate tourism uh, for many reasons for philosophical reasons for political reasons uh, i hate tourism that means i never work i never travel for my pleasure but but when people travel they know they know the other they meet the other and it's more difficult to kill somebody when you know him uh that's why uh, if we make a if we have completely synthetic relation that would be more easy to create a war uh, especially now with uh, drones uh, armored drones which give the possibility to somebody in Dallas to kill somebody in an Kurdistan and come back home and drink uh, a beer around the swimming pool. That's why when you don't sensual relation with somebody, it's too easy to kill him. Of all of the things you're working on right now, which is the one you're most excited or which is the one that is the most interesting to you, do you think? Something maybe you haven't done before, the most challenging? There is no... There is nothing most challenging because I love challenge. I love challenge. Uh, me, quietly at the top of my mountain, I'm, I am a fighter. I was always a fighter, a fighter against everything and especially the problems. What problem do you have for do that? No, I have no problem. I have, I have, I have fun. I have a lot of fun. Today, today, but what I do today was, uh, was very, 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 uh, is incredibly interesting. Cannot give you details, but, uh, it was a big project for space and space is the future of, uh, of everything. That's why it's uh, absolutely fascinating. And, uh, I love work for space for many reasons but also because i i love uh, i love people of the space i know i know well people from the iss uh, yesterday yesterday night at the same time i received a call from uh, by telephone by iss <laughs> from the space station from the space station and uh, it's so beautiful i love the spirit of the people who live in space they have understood something we have still not have understood. These uh, people are very handsome by inside. They have a philosophy and they are very incredibly intelligent. They are scientists. Uh, and the results are very, very elegant and kind. Very, very kind. There is no aggressivity in space. <laughs> uh, would you like to go to space? 
I was scheduled to go uh, on the first rocket with uh, Richard Branson because I was art director of uh, of uh, Virgin Galactic during uh, both, uh, I don't know, 10 years and things like that. But when they send me uh, everything I do for the training, I discovered I cannot go because I'm claustrophobic. I'm claustrophobic ah. and uh, it was impossible to make the training. And, uh, perhaps okay. I can, perhaps I shall, I am scheduled on something else and it's a little bigger. Perhaps I can do it. But my main problem was a centrifuge. That means that it's uh, the first step. It's, uh, if I cannot make the first step, that would be difficult for after. That's why I love the idea. I love these people. I love the work I do for them. They love the work I, they love the work I do for them, but perhaps I can never go uh, to space. Thank you to Philippe, Jasmine, and the entire team at Stark's office for making this episode happen. A special thanks to Marlene Capron and Serena Zoller. The editor of this episode is Stan Hall. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Grand Tourist. To keep this going, please follow me on Instagram at Dan Rubenstein to learn more. And don't forget to follow The Grand Tourist on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. And leave us a rating or comment. Every little bit helps. Till next time.